Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. On September the 8th, we'll be starting something we call home teams or small groups uh, here at Day 3 Church. And uh, um, not often, but every now and then, we will try and do a church-wide study. And that's what we're doing this time, where we're asking uh, all all the small groups to study uh, the same material. And um, and also, I will be preaching uh, topics that go along with that uh, each Sunday uh, during this series. And uh, what I wanted us to do for a couple of weeks was just try and prepare and and show you the need for for home teams as you saw in the video the name of the uh, of the series is prodigal god it is a study of the parable of the prodigal son and you may wonder well why the title prodigal god well the word prodigal uh i think we've taken it to mean that you know it's going out living a really sinful life and that's not necessarily the meaning of the word it, it more or less uh, meant to uh, at all abandon kindly lose something or spend something. And that is also what the prodigal son did. But the reason this series is called Prodigal God, that is what God has done for us at all. Uh, you know, he just kind of abandoned himself to send his son to die on the cross for our sins. And, and that's really the underlying message of what takes place in, in the parable of the, of the prodigal son. So that's what we'll be looking at uh, during those weeks. The, the, what I want to do for over the next couple of weeks is really kind of challenge you to be in Involved in a home team in case you have never been part of a small group Bible study. And I hope maybe you'll understand after we get through the message today why I feel like and why I think the Bible teaches that it's very important for you to be in a, in a small group of believers. It's hard for us to experience everything that we need to experience uh, in just a, a worship setting. Uh, and we will miss some things I think that God God has for us. The, uh, the focal passage that we're going to look at and I'm not necessarily preaching the message from, but it just kind of runs the, the background of what we're talking about. It's found in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, you find some things about the church, the early church, that was very strategic that they had in their uh, church, in their fellowship, that I think the church still needs to have. So look at these words. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what what I wanted just to stress to you is, is that there's some things that they were doing that we still need to do. What I want to challenge you to do is is this, to devote yourself. Uh, it said that they devoted themselves. I want to challenge you over the next few weeks to devote yourself to a small group Bible study, to a home team, and to devote yourself to being very faithful each Sunday as we go through these, this series on Sunday morning. I, I want to challenge you to study God's Word because it said they, they devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching. So that's what we'll be doing uh, during this time. That's what you'll do in your small group is to study the Bible. I want to challenge you to being involved in fellowship in a way maybe that you've not done before. Because if all you have ever experienced in your life is just coming to a corporate worship setting, you have really missed some significant things that, that I think you need uh, in, in your life. I, I want to challenge you to be unified together. It said all who believed were together. I want to challenge you as you meet together and learn some things about each other. You'll have some things in common uh, with each other. 
each other. I want to challenge you to care for each other because as any had needs, they were taking care of the needs in that group. So that's what I'm challenging you to do over the next few weeks. And the reason I'm challenging you to do those things uh, because the church today needs to operate with those same features that the church did then is in order that these things might also happen as we saw in, in the passage. Look, look what else took place. It said because of all the things that we just looked at, all uh, came upon every soul. And, and if we will be the, the church that we need to be with each other, caring for each other, loving each other the, the way we should, then, then all can come upon uh, people's lives because of them seeing God move and work in a small group of believers. They had glad and generous hearts. That also can be a, a result of us being the church that we ought to be, doing the things that we just talked about. It can give us glad hearts and generous hearts. That the church may have favor with all people. That should be a result of the church being the church that we should be. And instead of the church driving people away, and instead of the church you know, making people feel like that they're not wanted or anything like that, we, we ought to have some things going on in our fellowship that, that invite people and make people feel feel wanted to where uh, to, to where they're they're willing to, to to listen maybe to our message they're they're willing to consider the the claims of Christ because of what they see taking place and, and that ultimately is uh, is why the church needs to be the way that it was then so we can also see this so the church will grow as people's lives are impacted and they come to faith in Jesus the Bible said the Lord added to the number day by day those that were being saved those are the types of things we need to happen still yet today. And it happens in a, in a more intimate fashion, in a better way, in a, in a small group than just in a corporate worship setting. So this week I want to talk to you about the need for community. And next week I want to talk to you about the need for studying God's Word. Because you get that in in a small group. You get it somewhat in a corporate setting, and I'm going to talk about that today also, but you really, really get it in, in a more effective way, I think, in a small group of, of believers. So two main things I want you to, to see this morning. The, the first one is, is this. We're going to talk about community on a larger scale. We're, we're going to look at this idea of community kind of on two scales. And first of all, a larger scale, and the buzzword maybe you might want to write down if you're taking notes is the word membership. Because we as Christians need a place to belong. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.19, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He, he wants us to be part of his family, part of his, his house more or less. Uh, God calls us to believe in Christ in the scriptures, but he doesn't just stop there. He, he wants us to belong also. He calls us to belong to a local body of believers. Uh, God did not make us to be spiritual hermits. He, he did not make us to just go off and, 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 you know, be by ourselves because he even wired us in a way that, that we need community with other people, that we need relationships. And, and, and as Christians, we, we need relationships. Belonging to church is, is part of God's purpose for your life. It is part of the very purpose he has for you as a Christian to belong to a local church. Even in a perfect environment, look what God said in the Garden of Eden before sin entered into the world, before we had all the problems that we have now. God looked and he said this about Adam. He, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. That was in a perfect environment. And if it wasn't good for man to be alone now, imagine the culture that we live in today and how we don't need to be alone and how we need uh, the believers in, in our lives. Like I said earlier, he didn't design us to be solitary saints or spiritual hermits. He made us for community. He, he fashioned us for fellowship. He formed us to be part of his family. That's what God's desire is for us. And the truth of the matter is, the majority of the commands that, that's given to believers, is given to Christians in the New Testament, cannot even begin to be fulfilled with you being an individual Christian. You, you can't do those things by yourselves. And yet people will come up with excuses about, well, you know, I'll, I'll go into myself, I'll, you know, I'll pray and, and I'll read my Bible and, and I'll fulfill what God wants me to in my life off by myself. But, but what is written in the New Testament is written to local churches. 
Uh, there's letters that were written to the church at Corinth, and the church at Rome, and in, in the church at Ephesus. Yes, there is a universal church, I understand. There's the mystical universal church. And when we receive Christ as our Savior, we become part of that church. But the commands and the instructions and the principles that's given in the New Testament were written to individual churches for us to fulfill and be part of. And and in in other words, maybe I'm I'm saying this, I, I, I guess. Instead of just dating a church or hopping from church to church, maybe you need to consider that you ought to be a member of a church. Because on the larger scale, you you need that. You need a place to belong. I understand people come up with all kinds of excuses about why they, you know, why they don't want to be a part of the church. People will say things like, well, I love Jesus. I'm really turned on to Jesus, you know, but I just don't like the church. Well, I kind of understand why people say that, because I'll be honest with you, there's been times that I probably felt like that myself and everything. But think about it in, in these terms. The Bible, out of many things that the church is considered, the, the, the Bible calls the church the bride of who? Christ. So it's kind of delusional for us to say, I like Jesus, but don't like his bride. Beggy didn't know I was going to do this to her. I'm going to make her come up. Come here. Hurry, 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 hurry. I didn't get to do it in the first service, so I'll do it in this service. Cause... Here's the one we illustrate this, okay? This, this is my beautiful wife that I've been married to. For years and years and years and years and years and years. She's slapping because I didn't say 37. I married him when I was five. Okay. (laughs) But now, think about this. Uh, I can kind of understand if you come up and say, man, I like your wife, but I don't like you. I could understand that one. You know. But if you were to come up to me and say, well, Pastor Lynn, I, I really like you, but I can't stand your wife. I'm probably going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> Love you. But, but you see, that I, I'm doing that to illustrate that's really what you're doing to Jesus. If you say, I, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church, you've just told Jesus, I hate your bride. And if you want to know what Jesus thinks of the church in Ephesians 5.25, the Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? That means he gave himself up on the cross. He suffered. He was nailed to a cross. He bled. He gave his life. He died. He gave himself for the church. And I'm just going to submit to you, if Jesus would die for the church, then surely we can get over our excuses about not belonging to a church if he died for the church. Because we need community. And the way that happens on a large scale for a Christian is to be part of his church. The the Bible, and and we don't have time to all all these verses that I would have to read, although you'll see some of them during the course of the message. But the Bible tells us as Christians this. We're put together. We're joined together. We're built together. We're members together. We're fitted together. We're held together. We grow up together. We're to suffer together. And we will be eventually caught up together. All through the New Testament, it tells us that we're meant to be together. And this thing of membership means that you need to buy in to what Jesus loves. And he loves his church and and he loves the, the, the local church. And the Bible clearly teaches us being caught up together. We're going to be together for all eternity. So if we're going to be together for all eternity, we, we kind of need to learn how to function together now. Instead of having all these excuses about getting along. You see, you're going to have to get along for all eternity. And that's why we need to learn how to do it now as part of the local church. Not only is belonging to a local church part of God's purpose for your life, but also belonging to a local church is actually pictured in the New Testament as being part of Christ's body. And, and as he writes these words, like I said a moment ago, he, he addressed the, the local church several times, but, he, but he's talking about being part of the body of Christ. The, the, the church is not an organization. It's not like joining some civic club. 
The, the church is the body of Jesus. It, it's, it's alive. It's an organism. It's not just an organization. Our, our culture ha, has totally destroyed the, the biblical meaning of membership because the, the idea of membership comes from the Bible really to begin with. And, and we've allowed it to be relegated down to, to being something like uh, a member of a civic club. Or a member of a country club. Or you can go and buy a membership at Sam's Club. And they give you discounts and, and everything like that. And we tend to think of, of membership in that way. But to be honest with you, the way the world views membership is like you join something and you're a part of it. And then you, you, know, you can kind of sit down you're a part of it. That's not the biblical picture of membership. The, the biblical idea of being a member... It's talking about being a member of a body. That means it's alive, it's moving, it's functioning, it has a purpose, it does something. My, my hand has a purpose. My, my eye has a purpose. It's a member of my body, but it's not just there to say, I'm a member of the body and not be functioning. It functions in some way. If it doesn't function in some way, then, then it's kind of useless to me. And regrettably, too many people look at membership when it comes to the church as something, well, I've joined, and then they, they sit down because they're a member. When the biblical picture of it is you're, you're connected to a living organism. You're connected to the body of Christ. And that means you need to be about doing some things and serving in, in some way. Paul writes these words, to a local church, as I said earlier. First Corinthians. He said, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So what he's saying is this just like our human body has a lot of different members that make up this human body, it's true of the church, is what he's saying. The body of Christ. He, he said, For the body does not consist of one member. But many, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As is, there are many parts, yet one body. And he goes on and he says this, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, stop, freeze frame that for a moment. And the Bible's almost hilarious sometimes. Can you imagine walking down the street and you meet someone's body and it is all it is is an eyeball rolling down the street? Freak me out a little bit, you. I mean, he's, he's saying if the, if the body were just made up of one, you know, one, one, one member, I can think of some weirder organs that you could see walking down the street, you know, that would flip you out. But what he's saying is that's, that's not the case. It takes all of these individual members to make up our human body, and it takes all of, of you, as God puts you in the church, to make up the church. And just as the individual members of my body have functions and purposes, there, there's a purpose for every body in the church. There, there's something that, that you can do. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members, the body, each one of them, as he chooses. God is our creator, designed us the way he designed us, and gave the intent and the purpose to the various members of our body like he chose. I think in a similar way, God plants people in the local church with the gifts and the abilities that they have so they can bring those gifts and talents and abilities to bear so the church can be what it needs to be. He also says this. In Romans, more or less, he's letting us know every, every member's needed, every function's important. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we're many, are one body in Christ and individual members of, of each other. We're, we're connected. We, we need each other. Some of you heard me tell this story before when I've been illustrating this point. But when I was about 40 years old, I had, I had never, ever felt broken down and felt 40 until something happened to me. Because I, I'd always been able to, to, to run pretty fast. 
up to that point. I, for, for an old man that has been broken down, I can still probably outrun a lot of you that's my age and uh, everything. Maybe not long before I get winded, but, but I was playing on the church softball team. And uh, wound up going across a catcher's hip, knocking him out of the way, thinking I'd be nice because I'm a pastor. I had mud on my cleat, and when I stepped on home plate, my foot slid, and the lower part of my leg locked up against his hip, and the upper part of my body kept going. And uh, it did a hairline fracture going down my leg, and then I popped loose, and my image is on the backstop, I guess still yet, at the church we were playing at, I don't know. And the reason I'm telling that, that, that story, Gene, don't laugh. You were there and you saw it. <laughs> First service, I was filled with people that were there and saw it. But I, I, I remember as I left the field to walk out to my vehicle, I had never felt kind of crippled before. I'd never felt old before, never felt broken down before, and then I did. And, and you see, the problem is that I didn't have all my body function as it should. To correlate that to the church for a moment, I'm afraid the church is kind of limping and hopping through ministry because for the church to be all that God wants the church to be, it takes every one of you doing what God's called you to do and how He's gifted you to do and how you can serve. That's what membership is about. It's not joining and sitting down. We have a place to belong. We, we, we need a place to belong. And as Christians, we, we have that place where we can have community in, in membership in the larger scale in the church. But I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't want you to think that just being part of the local church is only for the benefit of the church because belonging to, to the local church is also beneficial for you. It's beneficial for, for the followers of Christ. Being connected to a church family, you, you experience a lot of personal benefits. Think about the illustration we were just talking about. I was just using an illustration about the church being like the body of Christ. My, my little finger, while I might not think a whole lot about it sometimes, uh, it, it's useful sometimes and in, in, in things like that. And it, it, it gains the benefit by being attached to the body of receiving uh, nourishment and, and new cell growth and, and, and everything like that because it's connected to the body. Uh, it gets a personal benefit of being connected to the body. What would happen if all of a sudden it were to be severed and be left off by itself? What would happen to it? It would wither and die. And you say, I'm afraid a lot of people will sever themselves from a fellowship and from church. And when they do, if they stay severed and they don't find a local body of believers to belong to, to where they are a vital part of it and where they can serve, then eventually their lives start to wither. Because they're, they're, they're not fulfilling the purpose that God's called them to. But, but their being connected to the body does have some benefits like, like these. Truth to live by. Oh yeah, you can read the Bible all by yourself. I understand that you can gain truth by, by yourself and things like that. But you know what I found? I, I, I get truth from a different perspective sometimes in a small group of believers or even at church as I hear a message or whatever the case might be. The Bible says there in 1 Timothy, the household of God, talking about the church, which is the church of the living God. Notice what he calls it, a, a pillar and buttress of truth. That's what the church is to be about. We're to, we're to sound forth truth, and we need truth in our lives to live by. You can also gain this by being part of the membership, part of the church, relationships to grow by. Ephesians 4 says, rather speaking the truth in love. We're to speak the truth to each other, but we're to do it in the right way out of a motive of love. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him, talking about Jesus who's the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We've been joined together to help each other grow in love. You get that benefit from being part of the church. A body to be nourished by. I kind of gave you that illustration just a moment ago, but it says in Colossians, holding fast to the head. Talking about Jesus, whom the whole body nourished and knit together 
We're, we're to be nourished together and, and be knit together through its joints and ligaments, just like our human body grows with a growth that's from God. And being part of a local church, you can, can be nourished spiritually in that way. A holy building to be part of. Let me stop for a moment before someone doesn't hear me and, and gets this all messed up. Because the church has really, really, really messed this up. Listen to me clearly. The church is not a building. Did you hear that? I want to be sure you said it. What did I say? Say it. The church is not a building. Because we have acted like it's a building for years. Like God lives in, you know, in a building. God lives in, in believers. We're the church. And I understand people want to be respectful of the church facility, caring for it. I agree with all that. We should and, and everything like that. But, but this building is not holy. We are the ones that are holy because Christ lives in us. And I can remember growing up at church and being told, don't run at church. Don't laugh at church. And, and, and then as I became a pastor, I'd see parents do that. And, and, and then, you know, at one time I, I kind of understand it because I had a little bit of that mindset and then I grew out of it and, and everything. And, and now when I hear someone tell their kid, don't run to church, I, almost, I, I don't want to, you know, violate your parental authority, but I almost want to go up and say, hey, kid, it's okay, run. Have some fun. It's okay. Because if it's wrong to run in here, it's wrong to run out there. We're, we're, we're the church. So he's not talking about a building. He's talking about the church being like a building. We're like bricks and everything that's joined together. And he says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. That's what he's doing with us in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Not this building. We are. And that's why it's vital for us to be part of the church. You also get this benefit. You've got a place to be cared for. First Corinthians says, if, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member's honored, all rejoice together. If I hurt a little part of my body, like stumping my little toe, it, it's still painful. And my whole body knows it. And, and we need to care for each other like that. John 13, Jesus said this, By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. I've always thought it was strange. He didn't say, if you dress a certain way, cut your hair a certain way, carry a 50-pound Bible when, when you're walking around to go to church. That, that's not what he said. He said we would be considered authentic in the world in which we live if they see us love each other like we should. The church ought to be a place for that where we love each other and we, we care for each other. First John said this, by, by this we, we know love that he laid down his life for us. That's what he did for us. But he goes on and says we ought to lay down our, our lives for the brothers. We're to love each other, care for each other, minister to each other. And, and, and that's a benefit of being part of the local church. And you also get this benefit, fulfillment by by serving Christ. When each part is working properly, I read that a moment ago in the in, in, in with a lot of other verses. When each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, we, we all, as part of the body, need to do our part. We need to be working together. And that's how you really find fulfillment, by serving Christ. Too many people make church about what can the church do for me. You need to be asking what can you do for Christ. It is the right question. I don't think it was any of any of your uh, Facebook, but we have so many people kind of come in and, and stuff like that. I don't know uh, everything about all of you guys. So if I commented on your picture last night and have offended you on Facebook, um, I'm not really sorry because I told you the truth. But I, I saw a picture that someone put on, on Facebook last night that showed a, a, a lady walking away, like she's walking away, going down a road. But, the, the you know, that's not what bothered me because I recognize there are times that you have to walk away from dangerous relationships there are times you have to walk away you know from from that wrong relationships i realize that but here's the caption that was put on the on the picture respect yourself enough to walk away from anything now words mean things guys <laughs> 
I have to deal with them all the time. And that's kind of what got me. Respect yourself to walk away from anything that does not serve you, grow you, or make you happy. Now, can I tell you something? That mentality is what's wrong with our culture. And I responded to it, what you ought to say is this. Is there someone you can walk toward? Someone you can help grow? Someone that you can serve and find fulfillment and happiness by doing that? That's the question that we need to to ask ourselves. Not walk away from anything that doesn't make me feel good. Because that's kind of what our culture has done. And you can find fulfillment in serving Christ in a local body of believers you're not going to find somewhere else. Because it's not all about you and it's not about me. It, it, it's about us serving, serving Christ. We can find fulfillment to do so. We need to be part of a larger body. We need to be part of a larger community. And that was the word membership. But I, I want to finish up by talking to you a few minutes about a different scale, not on the larger scale, but on a smaller scale. Community on a smaller scale, the buzzword is fellowship. Because we need a people to experience life with. We don't just need a place to belong. We don't just need a large corporate setting in worship. We also need fellowship. Life is meant to be shared, and and while we can share it to a certain degree here in a corporate setting, because we can have a fellowship time where we greet each other and smile, we can go outside and and have coffee and talk over coffee and, and, and bagels or whatever else they might have out there on the table, but still, that's a little bit superficial. You don't get the level of fellowship that that I'm talking about, that God wants us to have as Christians. Like that, it doesn't happen in in a corporate setting like it should. It's awfully easy in a corporate setting when we show up and we greet each other. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. We lie about it all the time, don't we? Because the truth of the matter is sometimes we're not fine. And you might not feel comfortable saying that here, but you need someone you can say it to. You, you need someone you can share your heart with, someone you can share prayer requests with, someone you can be transparent with, someone you can do life face-to-face with. That's why community on a smaller scale, this thing called, called fellowship, is really needed. At, at church, what do you think most of the time when you hear the word fellowship? Do I talk about Huh? Food! <laughs> We're out of fellowship meal. And that's all nice and good and everything like that, but, but that's not really what fellowship means. Because just like our culture has taken the word membership and ruined it from its original biblical context, we've also taken fellowship, even the church has, and kind of destroyed the, the, the strength of it and the meaning of it. Heard fellowship described like this one time. If you've taken the membership class, you've probably heard me say this. But uh, fellowship, somebody described fellowship like this. is two people in the same boat rowing in the same direction. Because two people in the same boat, based, you know, they, they can, can, can know each other. If they're rowing in the wrong direction now, they're not having fellowship. You've got two people in the same boat with the same purpose, same intent, rowing in the same direction, you can have fellowship. And you, you need a level of, of intimate fellowship with other believers. Go back to the illustration that the Bible uses of the church being like a body. Our body's made up of cells. You, you realize that. And, and the cells are connected together. Matter of fact, one cell off by itself won't live very long. So our bodies are made up of cells and they're connected together. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but your body is making new cells all the time. We, we tend to think of our body doing stuff just like our hand grabs food and shoves it in our mouth, you know? But uh, uh, according to what they have discovered, our cells make thousands and thousands of new bodies, uh, of new cells all the time. Our, our body makes all kinds of new cells. 
Personally, I wish my body would make a few new follicle cells. But my body is making new cells all the time. And if a body is healthy, that's what will happen. So for the church to be healthy, we need to be making new cells. For the church to grow, it will grow better by us having more cells, more small groups of people meeting together. Then it will grow just in this context here of having a large worship setting. Many churches refer to their small groups as cell groups. And whether it's called a Sunday school class or a discipleship class or a home team, like I'm talking about, in order to help grow the church, we need to be producing new cells. And be fully transparent with you, our small group ministry has not done that in quite a while. In order for that to happen, we need you to be involved in a home team. We need you to be involved in a small group. We need you to be willing to be trained by a home team leader to go out next semester and start your own small group in your home or here at church if need be on a different night than what we have small groups in order for the church to grow like the church needs to grow. After you get beyond a certain size and in, in, in a certain point, it really destroys the whole idea of fellowship. When it comes to fellowship, size matters. Once you get beyond about 12, and the reason I say the number 12, how many disciples did Jesus have? 12. Who was Jesus? God in the flesh? And yet he chose 12 people to pour his life into and they were sent out to do the same thing, to pour their lives into other people. And and that's how the church has grown. That's why we have the, the church across the world that we have today. It's not that they made an announcement, hey, we're going to get together and have a good band to play and have a large worship service and everybody come, so now we've got a big church worldwide. That's not how it happened. It happened by believers being equipped and making connections with other people, and those people become believers and pouring your life into new people, and those new people go out. That's what Jesus did. God in the flesh did, I think, as an example for us. After you get beyond 12, some people will shut down because they don't like being in a large group. You lose the intimacy, you lose the chance for people to share. Daryl knows I'm saying this, by the way, but some of you that come to Daryl's home team on Tuesday night, you know what you need to be willing to do by next spring? You need to think about starting a small group yourself because his group on Tuesday night, because it meets here at the church and it's convenient for some of you, it's not a small group. It's entirely too large to be a small group. And some of you that go to that need to be willing to ask Daryl to tell me a little bit, teach me a little bit about being a home group leader so I can next spring launch a new small group. Even those that are smaller in that size realm, we need to do the same thing. We need to find ways to launch new small groups. The small group that I get to has, has several that I led last time, has several people that are spiritually mature that can easily teach that as well as I do, if maybe not better. So I, I need to, at some point in time, not hang out with that small group. I need to go on and start a small group, let them do that one, me do one somewhere else. Because if we're going to be a healthy church, we need to duplicate ourselves and, and have cells that, that grow. Because you can't really fellowship at the level I'm talking about in a, in a, in, in a large worship setting. Think about it like this. Think about the church as being a large ship. I've, I've never been on a cruise yet. I've got to pull that one off sometime to get it off my bucket list or my wife will put me in a bucket probably because I know she's kind of been, been, been wanting to go at some point in time when we can and get caught up, you know, some in, in some life events and things we've got going on now. But I, I have talked to people that have been on cruise ships and seen enough on TV and things like that to understand in a large ship like that, you're not going to fellowship it deeply with all those people on the ship. So think of the church as a large ship. Think of a small group 
a home team, a cell group, a small group, think of it as the lifeboats that are connected to the large ship. You can't fellowship with everybody on a large ship, but if you get in a lifeboat, you better fellowship with each other because your life might depend on it. And you've got a smaller number of people in that boat to where you're face-to-face, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, and you get to share on a deeper level. And, and that's why I'm really, really challenging you and trying to encourage you this time if you've never done it before, or even if you have done it before and thought about taking this semester off. For you in a few minutes when we finish this worship service, for you to go out to the table either in the connection area, downstairs or upstairs, and sign up for one of the small groups that we have offered. And, and if we don't have one offer that fits you, let us know. I've already had someone ask me a few minutes ago, as we were uh, kind of having part of the song service, they knew uh, their, their wives was wondering about having one that could be flexible because of their schedules, to where they might meet one day, one week, uh, uh, you know, an, another day the next week. Hey, that's fine with me as long as they meet. And they and they get together and they and they study and they and, and they fellowship together. You can find and experience some things like care, love, encouragement, growth, accountability to a certain degree in a large worship setting, but you can experience those things much better in a small group of believers because you get to know each other, share with each other, be real face to face with each other. You might call a small group a place for authenticity, a place to be real, a place to find real help and real love and real care. Some of you know it's true because some of you have walked through some difficult times. And you had people that you were in a small group with to love you and help you through it. I was out of town on vacation when we had a death of a child of one of our church members. And it wound up being okay because she had a small group that loved her and cared for her. Till I could get back. You can share your hurts, your failures, your joys, your successes, your, your, your prayer requests, your needs in a small group. We find this in, in First John. <clears throat> But if we walk in the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to apply that to relationships in a small group for a minute. We tend to like to kind of hide certain things about our lives in a corporate setting. That's why when people ask you if you're fine on Sunday morning, hey, I'm fine, I'm great, how are you? But we need to get real with each other, and you need to have a place to where you can be real with somebody, and you can walk in the light and say, yeah, this is how I'm really feeling, this is what I'm really facing, this is what I'm really going through, and you can have fellowship at a different level than you normally have. I want to close just by reading some verses that I think have to do with this thing of fellowship that we're talking about. Psalm 133 in verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. We, we need to have that kind of connection and that unity. 1 Corinthians 12, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, we, we can't know that, though, just seeing you here. But in a small group, when you share how you really feel, what you're really going through, other people can suffer or rejoice with you, whichever the case is. James, therefore, confess your sins to one another and, and pray for one another. You need to have a safe place, if need be, to where you can confess sin and ask people to pray for you and help you uh, pray because you're struggling with temptation and things like that. You're probably not comfortable to do it here, but in a small group you can find that level of comfortability. Romans 1, Paul says, For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And then he realized, that, well, I don't want to sound like super Christian, so he backs up kind of and he says this, that is that we may mutually encourage, be, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's face, both, both yours and mine. You see, we, we can encourage each other, teach each other things, learn together. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. I'm asking him to keep that on the screen for a minute. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill 
the law of Christ? How do you bear another person's burden if you don't know they have it? I asked you earlier to keep that orange connection card close by. And I want you to pull it out right now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down what you think is the number one burden that you have in your life right now. I want you to write it down. And sometimes you forget to turn in your connection card because I know how many people's here and how many cards I get to look at during the week. This week, I want everyone to remember, and please turn it in. And I want you to put your name on it so I know who it is. And I want you to write down there where we have a place for prayer requests. If you already fill that up, a prayer request, write it somewhere on the back of the card. I want you to write down what you think your number one burden is, because I promise you that myself and the staff will pray for whatever it is this week. I don't know what it is without you sharing it. And my point is, normally it would be impossible for me to find it out. I'm asking you to do something unusual so I can pray for whatever your burden is. But my real point is this. In a small group setting, it's much easier for us to convey what our burden is, what our hurt is, what our pain is, what we're going through with that small group. And they can do the same thing with you. And you can care for each other, pray for each other, love each other in a way that can't happen in a large group. The people don't know if you don't share. The Bible also says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We need to put on compassion for each other, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another like I just talked about. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, guess what? We're human. We'll let each other down. We'll disappoint each other. We need to forgive each other. And remember, the Lord has forgiven us, forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We can do all those things to a certain degree in a corporate setting. But we can do it much more effectively in a small group where you're face-to-face, heart-to-heart. Sometimes maybe at a gut-wrenching level with some other believer because you can care for somebody and you can find care. You can love somebody and you can find love. You can help teach somebody, help disciple someone, and someone can help disciple and help teach you. So the purpose of today and next week, I'm going to talk about the need to study God's Word because that's also what we do in a small group. But today I've just talked to you about the need for community with the hope that it would compel you in just a few minutes to go out and sign up for a small group. I hope you're ready to sign up. You know what I'd really like to see happen when we dismiss you? I'd like to see you knock each other out of the way on the way to the small group table to sign up so you can get there first. In a Jesus kind of way, you know. Be kind to them. But but I'd like for you to have that sense of urgency and, and realize that you can probably get something met in your life that you're missing right now just coming to church. Some of you need to take the step of membership. Some of you have maybe been coming here for a while and you kind of consider it your church, but it's not really because you've not fully bought in, you've not joined, so you're not really a functioning member of the body. So some of you need to think about membership and sign up for those membership classes or come up in just a moment as we have the invitation and just come up and tell me that you know God wants you to be a part of this church And I'm not trying to chase anybody off, but I will tell you this. If you don't know God wants you to be a part of this church and you've been here for a really long time, maybe you're using it for excuse because you don't want to have to do anything because you're supposed to be a functioning member of the body. But if this isn't where God is trying to plant you, you need to find out where it is and go serve Jesus there. 
Some of you need to ask yourselves this question. Does my level of involvement at Day 3 Church demonstrate to others that I love and I'm committed to God's family? And, and if you can't say that, then maybe there's some changes you need to ask God to help you with. Some of you need to make the step of fellowship. Because to have a real community, a real sense of community, it, it requires commitment. It requires being committed to go into a small group when it's going to meet. It requires commitment here on a corporate level to be here when you can be here. But to have real community, it's going to take commitment. And maybe your question is this. Has my past participation in small groups revealed that I'm committed to experience a community with other Christians? And if it has not, maybe there's some things that you need to change in your spiritual walk. Some of you need to take the first step of trusting Christ as your Savior. Because none of this matters without you knowing Jesus. You don't just join the church and show a membership card at the gate of heaven and say, I was a member of day three church, so you have to let me in. <laughs> you have to know Christ as your personal Savior. And some of you possibly today, even though I've talked to the church, I've talked about the need for membership, the need for fellowship among Christians, some of you need to take the first step and trust in Christ as your Savior. What kind of decision, what choice does God want you to make today? Let's pray. Father, we, God, I pray right now if there's someone here that's never trusted in your Son, and, and, and Lord, maybe they've had all kinds of excuses. Maybe they've tried to think they can change their lives themselves and be good enough or earn their way to heaven. God, help them to see that it doesn't work like that. That's why you sent your son. That's why he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And Father, if there's someone here today that needs Jesus, help them to turn loose of trying. Help them to turn loose of who they think they are and what they can do and help them to trust in Jesus and him alone for salvation. Lord, if there's some here that, that you're trying to plant in this church, that you want them to be a vital part of the body, Father, I pray that you speak to them and call them to a deeper level, not just dating the church, not just hopping between churches, but call them to be part of your body here at day three. Lord, if there are those here that need to take the step of fellowship in a deeper way, because they've, they've never signed up for small groups, whatever reason, but they never have. Father, I pray you help them to see that there are things that they're probably missing in their lives that they need. That can be met through a small group of believers. And give them the, the courage or the commitment or whatever it is right now that they need to, to say yes to being part of a small group. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.